well. Good morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day to any moms in the room. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for all that you do in our lives and uh, in the lives of the people that uh, you raise. So thank you for that. Uh, it is great to have you here this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, as Elizabeth mentioned, we are now in our fourth week of our series called Conquering Giants. And as we've been in this series, what our goal has been is to look at some of our biggest fears some of our greatest worries, some of the top anxieties that, that we face, really look at what are some of those things that keep us awake at night? And how do we not only allow those to be a part of it, how do we get over those? And if you've missed any of this first, first series or first messages in the series, you can jump online, you can catch it there, or you can visit our app, um, all of them are there. Uh, and this morning we're going to transition a little bit and, and look at an area uh, that if we don't prepare for it, if we don't figure out how to face it, it can really destroy our lives. And I'll just be honest up front, um, when I was planning out this message series, uh, I completely missed that this was Mother's Day, and so you're going to be like, this does not tie in at all. And I'm just going to tell you up front, you're right, doesn't tie in at all, other than I think, uh, I will make a point in a second where I think maybe we can make a loose tie in and save my job. But anyway, um, <clears throat> most of us in our life, we've experienced a moment where we haven't handled this idea correctly or in the best way possible, and then it's gotten the best of us. And then we've had to work to overcome some of the regret as a result of it. So today what I want to look at and talk about is the idea of dealing with temptation. Now, here's my tie-in to moms. Your mom hopes you figure out how to deal with temptation so you don't mess up your life. Good enough? All right. Just wait till what I'm talking about on Father's Day. Uh, it's going to be great. Anyway, what's crazy about temptation is the fact that what I deal with when it comes to temptation is different than what you deal with when it comes to temptation. And, and what you deal with when it comes to temptation is different than what people around you deal with when it comes to temptation. And, and there's some crossover, but for the most part, every one of us has their own things that we deal with. And some temptation is silly and harmless but can become destructive. For example, I am greatly tempted to watch every single ESPN sports documentary created. Like I, you would think it wouldn't matter, but I really want to know how the professional bowling league started. Like why, right? But, and, and watching one of those really isn't a big deal. But then watching the second one and the third one, and this is all on one night, and then the fourth one, and then the fifth one, and all of a sudden I've destroyed an entire day or I've just stayed up way too late and now I've ruined the next day because I'm exhausted. And the reason is, and the reason that it matters that we figure out how to conquer temptation is that it doesn't, we prevent it from allowing or allowing it to destroy and ruin our lives. I'm just going to be real honest with you up front. Transparent. You probably know this, but I'm a dude. I'm a fella. I'm a man. I'm a guy. And pretty much every guy that I've talked to deals with a similar temptation. And it has to do with our eyes. And what happens is the, the curves catch our eyes. <clears throat> and the movement draws us in. And the mystery is great. And oftentimes it's almost like they're trying to get our attention. And we're drawn into something that we don't have. But that we want it. And we let our minds start to wander. And it becomes really difficult to avoid the temptation of the power tools <laughs> at the hardware store. Because they're just so, you know, you could do so much with them. 
and our imagination gets the best of us and we find ourselves buying some power tool that we didn't really need. And really, we all struggle with something, and, and we all battle different temptations, and, and really, some of us deal with substance abuse, some people deal with telling a lie, even when there's no reason to tell a lie, just suddenly you find yourself lying. Or, or maybe it's overeating, or, or maybe it's dealing with the, an addiction to sugar, you just can't seem to push away the food, you just find yourself continually eating. For some of us, we have an addiction with spending, just gotta buy just got to buy. We have a massive amount of debt, and yet we just keep buying, and we got to get more, and we got to buy more, and we got to buy more, and we got to buy more. And you know, you're like, I know I need to stop. I just can't seem to stop spending, and I just continue to spend, and I continue to spend, and I don't even have the money to do it. And really, there's an endless number, endless list that we could create of the areas in our lives that, that people are tempted. Too much time on social media. Gambling. Power. Sex, gossip. Now, don't be offended by what I'm about to tell you, but let's just be honest. We're all a mess. We wreck our lives so quickly, and we fail, and we fall short, and we hurt other people, and, and we come up short, and we hurt ourselves. And if we're going to overcome temptation, what I want you to recognize, and I want you to know this morning, it's not about becoming a better person. What? It's not? It, it's not even about an inner strength. The way that you and I are going to conquer temptation is to realize how incredible and how merciful God is and begin to depend fully on what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection from the grave. It's not about how strong you are. Actually, if you and I are going to overcome temptation, it's truly about recognizing how weak we are and how powerful and how compassionate Jesus is. There was a letter that was written to, one of the, to a group of the first followers of Jesus. Uh, they were in an area called Corinth. Um, and in this letter, we discover what's available to us when it comes to conquering temptation. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes. 1 Corinthians 10 says this. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Even in the middle of us being faithless, God will always be faithful. And there's two ways that he's faithful. He's faithful in the fact that he will never allow you and I to be tempted greater than we can handle. And when we are tempted, and we will be, and all of us will face it, but when we are tempted, there will never be more. The temptation will never be greater than what you and I are able to deal with, and God will be faithful to make sure of that. And not only does God prevent us with a way or being able to deal with it, not facing more than we can handle, He always provides us a way out of it so that we can endure the process. And what I hope you understand this morning is I hope you go away with recognizing that every single time you and I face a temptation, there's always a way out. And every time you and I are tempted to do something that's harmful to ourselves or harmful to somebody else or that would hurt the heart of God, there's always a way out. And there's a little bit of work that we have to do. We have to be prepared and we have to do some things. But, but ultimately, all of the credit, when you and I are able to overcome the temptations in our life, it's all based on the faithfulness of God. And I'm convinced that there's some people in this room that God wants to do something in your heart this morning that will set you free. I'm convinced that God wants to help you walk out of this room with a new understanding of God's word and God's presence and what God is ready to do in the area of helping you overcome the giant of temptation.
So let me give you a simple definition of what temptation is. <clears throat> temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. Like, oh, you're going to like this. Oh, yeah, that, that'll feel good. This will make your life have more meaning. And it promises a satisfaction, but in order to get that satisfaction, it costs you obedience to God. Scientists actually tell us that when you and I give in to temptation, our brain actually releases a chemical called dopamine. A dopamine is this chemical that, that when we get that little release, it gives us a, a little hit, a little buzz, a little bump, a little thrill. So when suddenly you're like, well, should I buy that? Should I, I shouldn't buy that. Should I buy that? Should I? And then all of a sudden you buy that, this little boop, and you feel good for a moment. Oh, should I look at that? Should I look at that? No, I shouldn't look at that. And then we look at that, and we're like, a little bump. Oh, I, I really want to tell that person off. I want to say what I'm thinking. I, it'll feel good if I just tell them what I'm thinking. Oh, this is going to feel so good. Oh, I do. I should, boom, and you tell them. And your brain rewards you with a little bit of dopamine. And there's this thrill. There's, the, there's this momentary buzz, this little high. And in that moment, for that split second, you're like, I'm satisfied. Yep, that worked. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, the chemical goes away pretty quickly. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, I feel so bad. And then guilt starts to sl slip in. And as the guilt starts to get greater, we begin to have regret. And as the regret begins to grow, we begin to feel shame. And as we begin to feel this shame, we're like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? I wanted it, and I knew I shouldn't do it, and I took it, and then I liked it, and now I regret it, and now I feel shame. And in that process of shame, all of a sudden, it starts to grow again. We're like, oh, I want it again. And then we convince ourselves, well, I just do it again, then it'll feel better again, and I'll get over this. And then we jump back into that cycle, and it just continues and continues and continues. And so in order to break that cycle, in order to conquer temptation, what we need to uncover are four truths about temptation. Four truths that allow, actually allow us to understand temptation better, <clears throat> begin to understand the opposition that we're actually fighting against, to see how temptation works and what it is we're up against, and even more importantly than the temptation that we're facing, what is it that Jesus is providing? What are the tools that he's giving us to deal with temptation to give us a chance to actually find some success? So here we go. First truth is this. It's not a sin to be tempted. That might be the best news for some of you this morning. That you don't have to beat yourself up just because something catches your attention. Just because you find yourself wanting something that you shouldn't have, that's not sin. The greatest evidence of this comes in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, For we do not have a high priest, the high priest being Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So essentially, Jesus was tempted exactly in the same ways that you and I are. But in the process of being tempted, he never sinned. And since he never sinned, even though he was tempted, what that tells us is that temptation is not a sin. <clears throat> and if we can begin to understand that our spiritual enemy despe desperately wants us to experience what is known as false guilt, where we feel like we've been defeated, where we feel weak, where we begin to say, well, I was tempted to do that, I must have sinned. Satan wants to come in and make you feel like, oh, you already gave in, you're a failure, you already blew it, and now you've messed up. And we begin to feel this weight of something that shouldn't actually get there. Okay, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to give you a little illustration. In order for this illustration to work, um, we're all going to have to agree on a couple of things. Okay? Number one, let's all agree that eating a donut is not a sin. 
Okay, we all agree that eating a donut is not a sin. But for the sake of this illustration, we all have to agree that eating a donut is a sin. Okay, so in reality, is eating a donut a sin? No. Okay, let's try that again. There was not. I, I got to make sure nobody tweets this or something when we go out of here. Is, in reality, is eating a donut sin? In this illustration, is eating a donut sin? Okay, good. All right. After this is over, you can go back to eating donuts and not feel bad about it. But let's say this. Let's say in those fake world of sin donuts eating, um, let's say all of a sudden you're in this process of you're really trying to live healthy, right? And you're like, I, I, I can't eat a donut. It would be sinful for me to eat a donut, only in this illustration, right? So all of a sudden you go to work and you're trying to eat healthy and you get to work and somebody was really gracious and really nice and they bought a dozen chocolate donuts. And they're right there on the counter, and not only are they chocolate donuts, they are chocolate with chocolate frosting donuts and sprinkles. And sprinkles don't even taste, but you're still like, and there's sprinkles, right? And so you get to work and you're like, I'm not going to eat donuts. I'm not going to eat donuts. And you start to walk by and there's the box. It's right there. And you're looking at them. You're like, oh my. And the donuts are actually like, eat me. And you're like, no. They're like, eat me. And you're like, no. And they're like, we're chocolatey on top. And you're like, no. And they're like, we have sprinkles. And you're like, no. And you're like, I want one. And you look, and you look, and you make it past the box. No sin. You were tempted like crazy. It was even calling out. No sin. Now this is where the whole thing blows up. I don't know for sure, but if you pick up the donut and you just smell it. Like there's no theological tracing that I can find that just smelling it is sin. And this is, this is where the whole illustration blows up. I mean, if you lick all of the chocolate off the top, I think you've probably crossed the line. Okay, we're back to reality. Eating a donut is no longer a sin. Eat a dozen donuts? You might have a problem, but... Ladies, you're driving down the road... The weather's getting nice. And you're driving down the road, and there's a fellow jogging down the street, and he's got his shirt off, and he's, and I shouldn't do this, because this makes it seem like it might be me, but it's not me. It's not me at all. But um, he's, there's muscles everywhere, which is why you know it's not me. And the, so he's jogging down the street, and muscles all on display, and you're driving by, and you see him. Like, you can't not see him. There he is, right? And you notice him. But you just keep on driving. Not a sin. Now, if you circle around the block <laughs> and you come back for another look and you're like, well, I just want to enjoy what God created, um, <laughs> maybe not a good idea. Guys, you're on a business trip and you're all alone in that hotel room. Nobody knows what you're going to watch. And there's some channels available that are, that are that are nev you never pay for those at home. You're just going to check it out for a little bit. I mean, it's so easy. I mean, I won't even have to tell anyone. I'll never have to explain it to anyone. Even if you go through all of that thought process, still not a sin. You know, you're still good even if you go pick up the remote. I mean, up until that moment where you actually turn on the TV and turn to that channel and start to take in what's going on, it's not a sin if you, just because of the temptation. Until you actually turn on the TV and start to soak up whatever's going on in that channel, you are still good. You, being tempted isn't a sin. It's in that process where we actually begin to pursue it and think it's going to bring a satisfaction outside of obedience to God. We know through Scripture that Jesus was perfect and never sinned. 
And since Jesus was perfect and never sinned, but was tempted, that's what assures us that, that being tempted is not a sin for us. But when we are tempted, it's probably time to take some action pretty quick and get away from it. See, what our spiritual enemy wants to do, he often wants to attempt and make us feel guilty just for being tempted. He wants you to beat yourself up and, and doubt your position with Jesus. Even though nothing's happened, even though you haven't messed up, he wants you to cave in thinking, well, I already messed up. I already, I already picked up the remote or whatever. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't buy into the lie. Don't buy into any false guilt that there's something there that shouldn't be there. So what we have to start with is recognizing that it's not sin to be tempted. But now what we need to do is we need to begin to respond and we begin to recognize that you are never above temptation. Each of us need to understand we're not above it. You're never above it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you care about. I don't, it doesn't matter. None of us are above it. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians, go back to that. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Okay, just a heads up. Quick warning. I'm about to get in your business. And you may not want me to do that, but I'm just going to just push you a little bit. Because if you're kind of kicking back as we start into this message, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that so-and-so is here this morning, because they really need this. I mean, I don't need to hear this, but they, I know what's going on in their life. Somebody, they, if you've already started to compile a list of people that you're going to send the link to this message, <laughs> and you... If that's where you're at, if that's where your mind is going, you better be careful. Because anytime you and I think it's, oh, that's not me. Oh, I'm above that. Oh, what they're doing, I would never do that. We have to understand. In that moment, we're like, that wouldn't be me. Understand that our spiritual enemy sees that we've lowered the bar, that we've lowered our defenses, that we've lowered our awareness. And he's like, here we go, game on. In a lot of ways, it's like that moment when you're watching YouTube and you see that video of this guy that's like a super confident skateboarder, and he's coming up to that railing, and he's going to jump over the railing. We all know he's going to eat it, right? You're like, he's so confident, and he's so arrogant. He's going down. Or the kid that's walking on the ice, that he's pretending like it's no big deal, and he's just walking on the ice. We're like, you're going to slip, and you're going to fall. You're way too confident. Or we hear stories about some doctor that, that understands medicine and, and cares about health and really wants to help people, and then all of a sudden they get hooked on some sort of prescription medication. And so oftentimes it's because they overestimated their own strengths. And oftentimes people think, ah, oh, that would never happen to me. I would never do that. That's oftentimes the people that fall the hardest and fall the fastest. Because we've taken our guard and, we, and we've allowed self-confidence to sort of lower our need to stay attentive. And what this verse reminds us is, listen, you need to stand firm. This gives us a very theologically rich concept. It's the theologically rich concept of you need to watch yourself before you wreck yourself. We never know when we're going to be vulnerable. We never have an idea of what we're truly capable of because ultimately any one of us is capable of some of the greatest and worst sin possible if given the right environment. We're not above temptation. So never, ever, 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 ever allow yourself to think, ah, I'm above that. 
I don't know how often you think about this, but um, my job is really weird. Like, think about what I, do for, what I do for a living. My job is to stand up in front of a whole bunch of people and tell you how God wants you to live. That's kind of weird. But I'll tell you this. When I'm preaching, there are some weeks where I just nail it. Like, there are weeks where I just, like, I knock it out of the park, and I'm like, yep, that was it. Oh, man, I just brought the truth for the people. They were so lucky I dropped some pearls of wisdom this morning. (laughs) And then next week, I so run the risk of blowing it in that particular area. When I speak on anger, and I start to get confident, like, yeah, I got anger figured out. I'm probably going to lose it on someone next week. I start teaching on parenting, and I start thinking, oh, all those people, they don't, yeah, no, I got this. They don't know what they're doing. I completely mess up dealing with my kids that week. I I think my kids have figured this out. My kids know that if I preach on parenting, they're like, can we stay at somebody's house this week? They're like, mom, (laughs) mom, please let us go. Dad was talking on parenting, and he's going to blow it. Right after I preach on a topic, it seems like that's the moment I'm most vulnerable because I just got it. I figured it out. I told the people. And none of us are above it. So number one, temptation is not a sin. And number two, you and I are never above temptation. And number three is God will never tempt you. If you're ever drawn into something that you know is wrong, it was never God that drew you into that. If you ever think that, recognize, no, 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 that is not God. God will test you, but God will not tempt you. There's a huge difference between a test and a temptation. In order to understand the difference between a test and a temptation, we have to do something really scary. I need you all to remember back in junior high. Remember junior high? Coming to the end of the school year, and there's that horrible week at the very end of the school year called finals. And you know that if you can get through finals, it's so amazing because school is about to be out for the summer. And if you're in high school, it's the same thing. You're like, it's almost there. I can see summer. It's right there. But you got all these big tests coming. And the reason that you have these big tests that you have to deal with is the teachers need to make sure that you actually know what you're supposed to know so that you can actually move on to the next grade so they can actually promote you to what you need. They need to know that you know the stuff. And if you're a senior, it's like, if you really know the stuff, they're going to set you free into the world. And so God will test us in an effort to allow us to move forward. And Satan will tempt us in an effort to make us move backwards. It's a big difference. God's not going to put a temptation in front of you to cause you to fail, but he may test you and give you an opportunity to step up to a challenge. I mean, recently as a church, we were challenged and we were tested by God saying, listen, I want you to invite people to Easter. And I know for a lot of you, that was a big stretch. It ultimately represented a test, an opportunity for you, a chance for you to move forward, to take a step of faith, to represent Jesus, maybe in a way you've never represented him before, to say to somebody else, hey, would you want to come to church with me? I know, yeah. And they're like, I don't even do church. And like, I know, but would you come? And they're like, you're crazy. And you're like, I know I'm crazy, but would you come? And an opportunity to speak about the relationship that you have with him. That was a test. Not a temptation. Jesus' brother, a guy by the name of James, actually wrote about this. James 1, he said this, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. 
God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. We try to convince ourselves that we're a really good person, and we're dead wrong. Because on our own, we are bad, and we are sinful. And on our own, we are bent away from doing what God calls us to do. And the evidence that we have for this is that you never have to teach your two-year-old how to be selfish. Never once in all of our farm room or jungle rooms have we ever had a, this morning, we're going to learn how to be selfish. Okay, Jimmy, here's how this is going to go. I'm going to start playing with your toy, and then your reaction is we need you to start screaming that that's mine again and again, and then don't stop screaming until I give in, okay? We, we, we don't have to teach any kid that. And our temptation grows out of our own desires. I want that toy, I want that toy. And it entices us and it drags us away because I want that, I want that, I want that. And then it drags us away and our desires begin to give birth to sin. And out of the start of that desire and out of that draw to sin, it begins to lead ultimately to death. Because sin never leads to a better life. It always destroys. It always promises a satisfaction, but it costs us obedience to God. Oh, that's going to be fun. Oh, that'll spice it up. Oh, 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 that'll help me through this process. Okay, if I just do that this time, it'll help me relax a little bit. Oh, that'll make me feel better. And each little time, there's this little, little hit, that little dopamine buzz for the moment. And then everything starts to unravel, and ultimately it leads to destruction every time. But here's what's so incredible. This is where this message that, that can kind of feel like we're getting beat up about temptation, this is where it's so incredible because Jesus wants to use any situation to transform our lives, including temptation. There's a great theologian by the name of Martin Luther. Uh, he was the father of the Great Reformation, and he said, in order to be a theologian, there's three things that you need. He said, basically, if you want to be close to God, there's three things that need to be a part of your life. The theologian said, you need to have prayer, you need to have meditation, and you need temptation. What? He says, listen, if you want to be close to God, you need to pray, which means you need to learn to talk to God. But you also need to learn to have meditation, which means you need to learn to hear from God. And then temptation in your life gives you an opportunity to learn to depend on God. In order for you and I to be really close to God, recognizing that God will give you and I the strength and the protection to overcome whatever the devil meant for destruction. God isn't going to send temptation into our lives, but it's critical that we realize he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle. Which brings us to the last truth and recognizing that God will always provide and he will always be sure that there is always a way out. I mean, every temptation ultimately is an invitation for you and I to depend on God. And that's not in your notes, so I'm going to say it again because I think it's pretty good. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Jesus. And when we are tempted, God will be faithful and he will always give us a way out. It will never be more than we can handle, but it will always give us a way to get out of the situation. And because you and I are 
fleshly by nature because we naturally lean towards doing our own thing. What we have to recognize is on our own, in our own ability, we don't have the capacity to say no to temptation. And so God's not the one that sends the temptation into our lives. He gives us the opportunity in that moment to lean into him and depend on him. To lean into him and say, God, I, I don't think I can deal with this on my own. So I'm going to need your strength that you demonstrated on the cross. And ultimately that you demonstrated through the resurrection and defeat of the death that happened and ultimately ended in the grave. Back to 1 Corinthians, it says this. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Our God is faithful and will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we bear. We can bear. And when we're tempted, and we all will be tempted, all of us are human, we'll all have to face it. And when we are tempted, God will always provide us a way out so we can endure it. And here's what's so amazing about you and I following Jesus. This is the most incredible part, is that Jesus provides some instruction. Jesus provides us a way for us to live so that we can make life the most rewarding and fulfilling life possible. And when you and I choose to follow the way that he directs us to live, it comes with this incredible sense of peace and fulfillment and purpose that's unlike any other option. And there's times where Satan will come along and he will attempt to get us to think that there's a better option. That this temptation, that this will lead to some sort of satisfaction that's outside of what Jesus has already laid out for us. And when that temptation presents itself, it'll never be more than you and I can stand. It'll never be more than we can handle. And God will always give us a way out. And in those moments of temptation, it's not sin yet. Until we give in to it, until we ignore the out that Jesus has given us, still not sin. But then this is where Jesus gets absolutely incredible because there will be times where we will miss it. And we will fall and we will fail, and we will give in to them te temptation, and it will raise up into our life, and we'll miss it. And in those moments when we sin, and when we miss the mark, and when we pass up on the way out that Jesus provided us, when we've messed it up, Jesus is like, I already died for it, so we're good to go. But that's why this whole thing shows how brilliant and gracious and loving Jesus is. That's why this whole thing has nothing to do with how good you are or what you can accomplish or what you're trying to become. It's not about all of that. It's not about you and I really even figuring it out. It's about us recognizing the remarkable offer that Jesus has presented. That he offers us a way to be covered and provided for in every moment of every circumstance all along the way. That Jesus doesn't desire to, to make our life miserable or controlled by giving us a way to live. He's trying to help us avoid the pain and misery and disappointment. Also trying to help us recognize and under, begin to understand what happens if we can begin to get a grasp on what temptation can do in our lives. Gives us the ability to begin to recognize that he gives us some outs. And I, I don't know what your outs are. I actually started to try and make a list of like, what are the outs that people might have? And how will they know when the temptation is here? And, and what the out, I don't, I don't know what your out is. Jesus does. And you need to ask him, would you make it clear to me? I know in my life there's times where I'm like, I, I really need a big sign, Jesus, because I'm dumb. And then we have to respond to those moments. Then we have to take those outs that he gives us. And one of the greatest things we can do is begin to think back to the time you felt temptation in the past. And, and maybe a time when you gave into it. And begin to think through that and like, where was my out? Where was my out? Where was my out? Ah, that was my out. 
Was there another out? Was there an, oh, that was an out. And so the next time you find yourself in that situation where the temptation starts to come up again, you've already thought it through. You've already kind of thought, okay, what are my outs? What are my outs? What are my outs? I know what my outs look like. And then use the out that Jesus provides. He's promised us it won't be a temptation greater than we can handle. He's going to provide us an out. And if we take that out, if we take that opportunity, we can begin to discover a freedom and a peace that Jesus so desperately wants us to experience. And every week in your program, we put in your, these green connect cards in there. And really the challenge is for you to think through and reflect on what is it that you've heard this morning that you need to do for yourself. Where are you at this morning that Jesus needs to be able to work in your life in such a way that you have the opportunity to begin to conquer this giant of temptation? It's a great way for us to be praying for you as God is working in your life. The band's going to come and play a song, but what is your next step that you need to take? Maybe your next step is to believe that temptation will not bring the satisfaction you desire. Maybe your next step is to stop judging others and be aware of the temptation in your own life. Maybe your next step is to think through the last time God provided outs for you when you were being tempted. Maybe there's something else that, that Jesus sort of impressed on your heart this morning that you need to do and that he's calling you to. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that, that you've given us a whole process through this. And even when we mess up, ultimately you're going to forgive us. We have the assurance of that, but, but Jesus, you recognize that there's so much pain and disappointment and struggle that we create for ourselves if we, if we don't figure out how to deal with temptation. God, would you give us the confidence to recognize that you're not going to throw things at us or you're not going to allow us to deal with things that Satan throws at us that are greater than we can handle, that are more than we can bear. Help us to open our eyes and open our hearts and watch for those outs, to step into them, to pursue them when they're available to us. Thank you for all that you do for us and the amazing ways that you love us. Thank you for this morning.